Welcome to the Circle 31 Podcast. I'm your host, Ayanna Robinson-Dixon, and this is The Love Series. My guest today is Connie White. Connie is the co-author of the book, Single Isn't Second Best, and she's been married for 12 years. Now here is my conversation with Connie White. Um, My name is Connie White. Um, I live in North Georgia, and I have been married for 12 years. Okay. Well, Connie, welcome to the Circle 31 podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So can you talk to us about the underlying messages that Christian singles receive from the church about their singleness? Yes, there are so many. Um, I could talk about just that for a long time. But I think a big one is that marriage is guaranteed. Um, the church implies in a lot of things that they say, when you get married and your future spouse and pray for your future husband and that kind of thing implies that everyone is going to get married, which creates a, a, a dissonance for so many people who don't or who get married later and have trouble finding someone. Um, I think there's also an underlying message that people think there's something wrong with them if they're not married or um, that someone hasn't chosen them. So there must be something wrong with them. And that um, if you just become more spiritually mature, God will give you a spouse, which if you've met many married people, you'll know is not necessarily true. So, um, and that being married is the only pathway to joy. Um, So that means that your life is incomplete if you don't have a significant other. Um, I I could go on, but I would think those are the main ones that just make people feel really inadequate themselves and in their lives. Like they haven't reached this milestone that is necessary um, to be happy and, and whole, which is completely false, of course. So how how do you feel that these messages are harmful? Well, we've created a culture, um, society and the church, unfortunately, that idolizes romantic love and marriage. So um, it makes us seek that really uh, aggressively, as opposed to seeking Christ really aggressively with our time and our lives um, as believers. Christ is our only path to joy and we are complete in him and, and thinking this way that marriage is the only way for us to be complete and whole and happy. It makes people stay in relationships. They shouldn't and engage in unhealthy dating practices that only leave them more hurt and broken. Mm -hmm. Um, It teaches that marriage is a reward and singleness is a punishment or, or something to be cured, which is not true. Um, Paul says that singleness is good, but marriage is good too. And, and we should embrace both of those messages where we seem to always ignore as a church where Paul says that singleness is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really keeps us focused on this world and finding a spouse instead of focusing our energy on the Lord and what, what he has for us where we are. That's good. How, how can single Christians who are lamenting their marital status uh, change their perspective on on the season in their lives? I think the first thing is to realize that learning contentment wherever you are is the key to being happy your entire life because there will always be something to be discontent about even if you get married. And the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm -hmm. And without that contentment, our godliness is on shaky ground because we're always tempted to seek something in this world to bring that fulfillment. 
Um, We think if we just had this thing or that thing, well, then we would be content. Right. But I think about Eve in the Garden of Eden and she had the perfect existence. Perfect. But Satan convinced her she was missing something. And he will always be trying to make us look at something else and think we have to get that even if we're exactly where God put us and where God wants us and the best place for us. Um, So Paul says he's learned to be content, whether he's hungry or full. And I don't think he stopped wanting food (laughs) when he was hungry, Um, but he still chose contentment and he reveals the secret to that in the next verse. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And we normally take that verse to mean that we will accomplish everything we set out to do. But it's really telling us that because of Christ, we can be content even if we don't. So it doesn't mean you have to stop wanting marriage, but that in Christ, we can be happy where he has put us, regardless of whether we have everything or not. So you can be discontent, even if you have the most wonderful existence, and you can be um, content even if you don't. That's what the gospel does for us. Mm. Connie, that is so good. I really love how you used Eve as an example. Um, that that brings it to a new perspective. I mean, she did. She had it all, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then the enemy convinced her of something different. That's that's a great point. So that's a good reminder for us. Um, and thank you for bringing up that Philippians four as well for us to think about that. That you know what Paul said. We need to be. We have the ability to be content in every circumstance, but we need to choose to do so. And we do that through Christ. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. What are some ways that Christian singles are uniquely available that married couples are not? Well, Paul makes it abundantly clear in first Corinthians seven, that singles have a unique ability to devote themselves to the Lord um, because their attention is not necessarily divided by having to care for the needs of their family. And obviously he's telling us that caring for your family is an essential need. That is a part of what you're going to do as a, as a follower of Christ, if you get married. So um, I think that singleness, we overlook the fact that it is a time to be really intentional about growing emotionally and spiritually and um, serving the Lord, but also working to heal from our own baggage and learning to live out what the Bible says instead of just saying we believe it. I think there's a a lot of disconnect between, um, in all of us, we're always having to work to overcome that disconnect between this thing we believe in the Bible versus how we're letting that play out in our lives. And I think singleness is a unique opportunity to close that gap and to um, actually start living what we say we believe by pushing into the Lord. And um, there's when you get married, you're going to have far less time to do that emotional and spiritual work. And, and when you're single, there's no downside to spending your time like this, because if you get married, that's great. You're starting out in a better place as a more whole person and can be a better spouse and probably enter the marriage with fewer potential issues. And but if you don't get married, well, now you're living a life that's more in step with God's will and more full of peace and hope and all the other fruits of the spirit. And um So most married people I've talked to wish that they had embraced the opportunities they had in their singleness, 
when they had it and spent more time building community and taking more risks and, and learning and growing and doing things to help building the kingdom of God rather than just serving themselves or spending all their time trying to find a spouse. Um, Philip, my co-author in a book we'll talk about in a minute, served as an undercover missionary in the Middle East for two years before he was married. And, and that's an awesome way to spend your single years. It's a, a, a risky thing that would have been a, a much bigger decision had he, they been doing it as a family. And um, there are just so many people I talk to who feel like they wasted their single years by spending it all in dissatisfaction that they were single or by dating people they knew weren't good for them just because they were afraid they wouldn't find anyone else. And the single years, they count. They're part of your life and they matter and make them count for something that, that you can look back on and say, I'm so glad I did what I did with those years and spent my time trying to do things of the Lord that matter not only in this life, but in the kingdom of God. Connie, you struck on some really profound points right there. Um, your singleness does count. Your single time does count. That season is a, a season to explore, um, to get to know yourself better, to heal, uh, to learn. So thank you so much for bringing that point out. I want to ask, is it possible for uh, once, you know, a, a, an individual gets married, is it possible for that spouse to meet all of our needs in marriage? Absolutely not. Um, and, and you can talk to any married person who will <laughs> echo that sentiment, that no other human being on this planet is designed to meet all our needs. It's not possible. Um, and honestly, I think that's why so many marriages fail, because we put all this pressure on each other and they we can't meet those expectations. And um, Elizabeth Elliot says that marriage teaches us that even the most intimate human companionship cannot satisfy the deepest places of the heart. Um, so marriage is two imperfect people coming together. And I think of it like um, if you had two broken plates, because we're all broken, you wouldn't take a half of one broken plate and half of a different broken plate and try to glue it together and expect to have a whole plate. We're broken in different ways. There's still going to be cracks. We're not going to fit together perfectly. Um, but that's how we treat marriage. We, we try to take two broken people and fit and mash it together and make it be this complete whole. But if we're using our singleness to intentionally grow and learn and become more spiritually whole, well, then what happens? God is putting us together back together as our individual plate. We're each one plate. And so then if you get married and you have done that work, you have two whole plates instead of two broken plates. We're trying to mash together and make one whole one. And what you can do with two whole plates that you can't do with a broken one that's not serving a great purpose is that you can serve people and you can serve each other. That's what we're supposed to do in marriage is we're supposed to be about serving the Lord and representing his love for the church towards each other, but also outward towards the rest of the church. That's good. And, and even if you're married, like you need friends for in the, in the body of Christ for accountability and wisdom and refinement and, um, there's so many places the Bible talks so highly of friendship and we seem to ignore that. Um, you know, a friend sticks closer than a brother and greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And the Bible tells us to love one another fervently. 
he's saying that to believers, not spouses. And we can't love one another fervently if we don't know one another, if we're not pouring into other relationships. We're also taught to mentor younger believers. And for to be that means we need to be mentored by more mature believers. And, and we can't do that if we're not in a relationship outside of our marriage relationship. Tony, you're striking some really profound points right here. I I, I want to park here for just a second um, because I do believe that for some, the focus is so great to be married mm-hmm. that perhaps some may lose focus on having friendships. Yes. And I, I want you to talk a little bit about just the importance of 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 mentorship and 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 being mentored as as well as having friends in your life as a as a married person. Well, one thing I think about a lot is in Proverbs there's a verse that says there's a verse that says the Lord will put the solitary in homes. Mm-hmm. And I think we have um become so individualistic as as individuals, yes, but also as individual family units, that we have created a culture that doesn't allow for that very well. He means the body of Christ to be an actual family. We are supposed to be family to one another. And we've tightened the household boundaries so much that there are so few people who actually allow the solitary to be part of their home. And um, it's harmful to the body of Christ. You know, the word also says that they will know us by our love. And that's not talking about romantic love. That's talking about the love between Christians and how we care for one another. And um, that's something that has really, we have somehow devalued in our culture that uh, we've made friendship a passing thing that is based on convenience. Um, whereas it's it's really something we're commanded to do and it's not based on uh it, it's just like any other relationship that we are commanded to love fervently and the it says to be hospitable without grumbling and um that it requires us reaching outside to people that maybe i mean the this the verse that says be hospitable without grumbling implies that there might be reasons you want to grumble. Like family <laughs> is not convenient yeah, and, yeah. and there might, it might be difficult. And what we do in friendships is we tend to bail when it gets difficult. Um, and I think uh, singleness has this, a, a lot of singles and this is just how it's because we're kind of programmed this way by culture. So I'm not faulting the singles except I think it's something we all need to realize that in singleness, our culture gives us the idea that we have no commitment to other people, that we are allowed to be separate and do our own thing and never responsible to anyone else. But that's not what the body of Christ is about. That's not what the Bible says. We're all supposed to be iron sharpening iron for each other and accountable to one another. Um, And so I have one friend who said she didn't marry till she was in her fifties. And I interviewed her for our book and she said, if I could go back and tell my younger single self something, I would say part of your job as a single person is to build community. Um, That's good. That when she was younger, she felt like she was less than because she didn't have an automatic built in person because obviously marriage creates that. Um, But we can have that person and, and maybe they're not built in. 
but that's why you build them in. Like we have to work at it. And that single people, yes, it is harder to build that community because unfortunately the body of Christ as a whole doesn't recognize that need. Like we are talking about that we have devalued friendship and commitment to people who are not necessarily in our immediate family. Um, but as a single person, that's, that's our job. That's your job is to build that community and work at it even when it's hard and despite um, the difficulty. So I'm not discounting that it's difficult. I know it was, I, I didn't get married till I was 33. So mm -hmm. I have a perspective on that. And I know it is really hard to put yourself out there as just you. But I also know that if we wanna be healthy Christians, we have to do it. So Connie, um, as you mentioned, you're married. Uh, can you share with us the impact that Proverbs 16, 24 has had on your marriage? Sure. Um, so Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Mm -hmm. um, so when my husband and I did premarital counseling, it was a pretty in-depth Thing, which I recommend, by the way, everyone should have not just a cursory meeting with a pastor and call it done. We should be talking about the things that matter if uh, we're pursuing marriage with a person. Um, but we read a book called Love and Respect by Emerson Egrix. Mm -hmm. And that book showed me how important the words we use are. Um, with every word I say, I can either build my spouse up or I can tear him down. Um, and if I'm building him up, I'm also building our marriage up versus if I am tearing him down, I am making our marriage weaker. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just realized how, um, how easy it is to break a person's spirit just by being harsh and, and your tone and, and always making them feel like they're not doing the right things. But I want my husband to feel loved and I want him to be confident in the person that God made him to be. So I try to be really intentional about using my words to that end. Um, I obviously don't always do it perfectly. Um, but but I think that we can do that even when there are difficult things to talk about. We can still talk about those things with in love and realizing that um, it's not me against my husband. It's my husband and me against a problem. And that we need to focus on the problem and I don't need to focus on him. Like we need to fix the issue and um, still try to build him up as a person. That's good. Now, Connie, you're an author. Um, can you please share with us the names of your books and where we can find them? Sure. Um, I have five books and they're across several genres. <laughs> I have a children's illustrated book. Um, called When Your Dragon is Too Big for a Bath. Um, it's a fun story, but it's also uh, got a deeper meaning about how God doesn't necessarily answer our prayers the way we think he will, but that doesn't mean he's not answering. Um, I have two middle grade fantasies. One is called The World's Next Door, and the other one is Vincent in Wonderland. Those are very loosely connected. Uh, you can read either of them without being confused but they are technically a prequel and a and, and it's follow-up and then I have two adult Christian non-fictions um 
the first one that I wrote is called Trusting God When You're Struggling, Overcoming Obstacles to Faith. And it's sort of a topical look at various things we let get between us and our faith in God. Um, and then the, the last third of the book is more focused on things that we can do to help build our faith so that those things don't derail us so much. So, um, and then the one that is the reason for this podcast interview is a book I co-authored with Philip Wilder uh, called Single Isn't Second Best, Shifting the Perspective on Christian Singleness. Um, and that is obviously a lot of the points we've talked about in this podcast are, are represented in that book. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I should also note that my author name is C.E. White. So if you look up Connie White, you're not going to find my books, but it, they are under C.E. White. So Okay, so C.E. White. Um, single isn't second best is the book that you co-authored with who is the co-author Philip Wilder Philip Wilder and where can we find you on social media um I have a website which is cewhitebooks.com and then my Instagram and Facebook you can find me at cewhitebooks that's my handle so it's pretty straightforward okay so Connie do you have any um final words that you'd like to share with our listeners before we end today? Um, just that to really focus and spend your time learning who God is, that his goodness and love gives us hope in whatever circumstance we are, even if we didn't choose it. You know, the Bible says that he will give us good gifts. And if we ask him for a fish, he won't give us a stone. And um, that he really loves us. And wherever we are, he is not ignoring us. He knows we're there. If you're single and you're not happy there, he's not immune to seeing you there. But that diving into him is, the, is where you're going to find that richness in your life and not continuing to seek any, any external worldly thing to satisfy your soul. Connie, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your wisdom, gems, and nuggets with our listeners. And we appreciate you being a guest today on the Circle 31 podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That concludes today's episode of the Love Series. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Visit our website at circle31internationalwomensministry.org to sign up to receive podcast updates. And as a thank you for signing up, you will receive the 28-Day Love Series Devotional Guide. Check out our YouTube channel for the Love Series playlist. It's a collection of our guests' favorite songs. You can find us on YouTube at Circle 31 Women's, M-I-N. That's Circle 31, W-O-M-E-N-S, M-I-N. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Thank you for joining us today.